When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, my little Trish, I'm I'm so pleased we've got you because it was... uh touch and go in the sea in Brighton yesterday wasn't it what funny thing happened when you came out of the water there did I nearly get swept out I didn't nearly get swept out to sea because it was very shallow wasn't it but as anyone who knows Brighton will know it's very stony very stony very sore on the little feet as you're going in and out of the water and I I got a bit confused didn't I coming out I just walked in because I'm hardcore you had to have your flip-flops you took your flip-flops to the edge of the water we went in to where we couldn't touch the bottom, had a little swim. I came out, turned around and I thought, where's Trish gone? What's going on now? And she said, where have my flip-flops gone? Where have my flip-flops <laughs> Where have they gone, Trish? What had happened? You'd been swept towards Hove, hadn't you? I had, yeah. I was about um, yeah, 10 metres down the beach and I'd beached myself on my front. And anyway, you helped me. The flip-flops were returned. You threw them at me. I've never seen anyone come out of the water like that on their front. So elegant. Like some kind of reptile. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. And I'm Trish Halpin. If you're living in a hormonal hothouse, feeling a bit overwhelmed and in need of some positive, uplifting and comforting guidance on how to lead a more magnificent midlife, then this is the show for you. We chat to celebrities and experts on all things midlife, from menopause and perimenopause to parenting teens, via fashion, beauty, wellness, nutrition, fitness, careers, relationships, caring for elderly relatives and your finances. Yes, we ask experts and famous guests all the questions you need answered to have a happier, healthier and more harmonious second act. Welcome to a rather special, rather unusual episode of Postcards from Midlife because we're recording part of it on a girly getaway as we are together in Brighton. Um, we've had a little night away as a treat for all the hard work we did putting on our big live show last month. Yeah, we've just about recovered from that, haven't we? Um, and as we promised, for those of you who couldn't make it to the show, we're going to be sharing some of the interviews we did live on stage um, and the best bits of Postcards from Midlife Live throughout this series. So coming up shortly, we've got our interview with TV presenter Anna Richardson, who was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Now, as well as being an award-winning producer and presenter of shows like You Are What You Eat, Naked Attraction and Naked Education, Anna is also a qualified cognitive hypnotherapist and co-founder of Mindbox, a fabulous online resource for anyone struggling with mental health. And she has just launched her own new podcast and it's called It Can't Just Be Me, which is all about love, sex and life advice. I was wondering if she might need a little co-presenter, Trish, someone short, witty forgetful, a little bit cross maybe. I see you're putting yourself forward there, yeah. but I think she, she'll probably manage on her own because she is a professional. Um, we did throw a few tricky midlife dilemmas at Anna, didn't we, during our live show so uh, to get her advice and so she could solve them. Um, because as regular listeners will know, we like to do an agony aunt slot every now and then. Sometimes we even unleash our terrifying alter egos, uh, your angry Millie and my passive aggressive Marion, to see what they have to say about things too. But for this series, I think everyone will be relieved to know we have turned things over to Anna, who is a qualified expert uh, for her advice. And Anna also told us on our interview live on stage how she's moved on following her split from long-term partner Sue Perkins, as well as finding love again with the new man in her 50s. Now, we're not in Brighton by chance, are we, Trish? We don't often go away together on a little uh, menopausal Morecambe and Wise holiday. <laughs> uh, there is a practical and, dare I say it, helpful reason because we are staying at the Artist Resident Hotel overlooking the sea. I'm actually looking at the sea now. It's super beautiful um, in this gorgeous square. And um, we were inspired to book our friends' getaway because we did a travel survey with our lovely friends at Sordes Travel um, and our wonderful women on our Facebook group. 
And we were sort of getting this sense, weren't we, from those around us, all our friends, all the Facebook group members, that travel in midlife is increasingly important um, and different types of travel with different people. So that's, you know, whether you go with family, girlfriends, having a grown up gap year or you go solo. Um, and there's more and more focus on it. So we wanted to delve a little bit deeper and find out more and get some tips for you. Yes, we did. There's been some great um, stories on the Facebook group, actually. Anne told us, she said, I'm going interrailing to Italy in the summer with my hubby to see Bruce Springsteen in Milan. What? The boss? The boss in Italy? The boss on a train. Love that. And then she's doing a big trip to Everest Base Camp in November with a friend. What the hell? I mean, she's ticking all the travel, midlife travel boxes, isn't she, Anne? I think Helen had a good one, a travel story on one of our big midlife issues she faces. She says, I'm taking myself off on my own for a week. It will cost me a lot less than dragging my ungrateful kid as she calls them, on a villa holiday where they lie in bed most of the day, like mine do, complaining about the Wi-Fi. And then I can go off on my own and I can't wait to do exactly as I please. Well, we certainly hear you on that front, Helen, because it's very expensive taking the kiddolts away to stay in bed in the dark all day, isn't it? And moan, moaning. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, lovely listeners, later on in the show, we're going to be sharing the findings of our travel survey with Sordays. And over the next few episodes, we're going to be giving you some unexpected and exciting new travel ideas so that you have the best midlife adventures. And we're going to put everything we find out about travel from Sawdays on a dedicated Midlife Adventures website, which Sawdays will be building for us. We will give you the address later on in our How to Win section. I think we're like a, a modern day Judith Chalmers, aren't we? Solving your problems and finding you lovely trips to share or maybe boast about, but showing off with your friends and families. Everybody loves a bit of that, but showing off. Now, I just want to say, well, we want to say very quickly that when we work with a brand um, or a business partner on Postcards from Midlife, it's because we genuinely feel they've got something helpful, useful or really lovely to offer our midlife listeners. As journalists, Trish and I, having access to travel experts like Saw Days, who've got decades of specialist knowledge and experience, is really valuable. So we consider it a great thing to be able to do. This is what we do. It's our jobs. We research. We speak to experts. We edit the info because we are editors, aren't we, Trish? Uh -huh. And we bring that info to you. So that's that's why we work with brands. We're sort of, on this occasion, we're like a little mini midlife ambulance service roving around solving all your travel dilemmas with the help of real travel experts. Yes, and the proper experts give us the tips and advice for you, but all the waffly bits <laughs> in between... That's us, isn't it? That's you yeah. and me sharing a big old dollop of our life experience um, and our friendship too, which is why we are on this jaunt and the reason we chose Brighton. Well, I think that there's another reason we chose Brighton is because of ABBA, isn't it, Trish? I've got a little, um, well, I mean, that's why you're wearing your sparkly bell-bottomed trues and that little <laughs> bra top. I've got an ABBA fact to surprise you, Trish. You might not know this about Brighton. I know Brighton has a, a place in your heart. Mm. Did you know it's where ABBA won the Eurovision in 1974? 1974, I say, Trish. How old were you then? You didn't research that bit, did you? 1974. 74, yeah, 1974. Yeah, just said it. You're going deaf. Oh, you did say it? Oh, sorry, yes. I wasn't listening. wasn't listening to you. I was looking at the seagulls out the window. You are waiting for that giant flying rat to come in and take your breakfast off your thing, weren't you? Exactly. Scoop off my, my toast. Yes, it's where ABBA, Waterloo, it was filmed here in Brighton. How exciting is that? I know. Well, that is a very fabulous fact, but it's not the most special thing for me. Um, actually, Brighton's just one big old nostalgia noodle for me because um, it's where I spent my student days at Brighton Poly. And I wanted to sort of take you around and revisit the places and show you all my favourite haunts and see what's changed, see what hasn't changed. Actually, a lot hasn't changed, <laughs> I would say. But should we tell everybody what we've been up to while we've been gadding about in Brighton? What's been your favourite bit, other than being with me, obviously? I do like a bit of gadding with you along the beach. Um, I think it was the trip to the Zap Club, Trish, to stand outside. And I was mentally reliving your memories there, thinking, what would young Trish have been doing in the Zap Club? Grooving around to 80s hits, I think. Yes, that's yes. the Zap Club. Under, I think I've mentioned the Zap Club under the arches before, you have. haven't I? And then I also took you to where one of the flats that I lived in on the seafront in this sort of funny old big 19 sort of 20s art deco building called yeah. Embassy Court. What's quite funny about that is it's uh, we're Gogglebox fans, aren't we? 
Massive Gogglebox fans, yeah. Every Friday night, if, if anybody is a Gogglebox fan and they see the bit where they, you know, they show their houses and where they live before they sort of show the clips of them. And I'm going to do my Craig Cash voice now. Says, apologies, Craig Cash. In Brighton, hairdresser Stephen and his husband Daniel. And I always get excited when that comes yeah. on because it shows Embassy Court. So I don't know whether Stephen and his lovely husband Daniel live in Embassy Court. I think they might be in the building next door. But anyway, I made you go and see that, didn't I? You, you did, yes. The highlight. Was, <laughs> the highlights of my, not the Royal Pavilion, not the pier, the goggle box house. The shopping in the lanes, that was rather nice. Yes, we were looking for something in the lanes, weren't we? And we didn't find it. It was a crossbow shop because back in the 80s, obviously I met Neil at Brighton Polly back in the sort of mid to late 80s. And um, we used to walk past this crossbow shop. It had crossbows, it had knives, you know, he likes knives, all sorts of weaponry. Mm. And there was a, a sign saying the crossbow of your dreams. And I was hoping to find that shop to show you. So I could buy it for you. We might find it on our way back up to the station later on today. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that, Trish, yeah. <laughs> we did have our dip in the sea, aforementioned pebbly yeah. underfoot dip in the sea. But we actually wanted to go, I wanted to take you to this new place called Sea Lanes, which is open, which is a beautiful outdoor swimming place sort of slightly further along in Kemp, the Kemp Town part of Brighton. And it's all open air. I think is there, it might be a bit salty if it's called Sea Lanes. Heated it is, Trish, I think as well. Heated, yeah. heated seawater. You you couldn't go. We couldn't go, could we? Do you no. want to do our swimming up and down? Do you want to tell everybody why? What happened to you? We can add this to the special book I'm keeping on, Bizarre Holiday Injuries, Lorraine Candy Gets, adding it to the uh, rolled ankle from the flip-flop. Getting off the boat, someone trod on the back of my flip-flop and rolled my ankle up to go to Truro A&E. Also add it to the uh, fracture I sustained on the um, blow-up inflatable water park. I just think maybe you shouldn't go to Cornwall. Where a man shouted, old lady down when I fell off. Um, <laughs> Was that your husband? He wouldn't be alive. He was one of the younger mm. lifeguardy mm. men who came to get me out because I couldn't move because I'd fractured something. Uh, I got an eye infection oh. on school holidays recently while I was, uh, I poked myself in the eye, I think might have been with a mascara stink. Oh no. But the swimming in the sea infected it and um, for the last two days of the holiday I had to stay in a dark room with a, with a bandage oh. over it and I have now been banned from uh, swimming for a bit. But let me tell you, this is a public service announcement for our uh, listeners. If you have an eye injury and it's not sort of general conjunctivitis, don't go to the GP. They don't want anything to do with you, eye injuries. You could go to A&E at an eye hospital, but the wait is sort of five to six hours. Uh, also, very bright lights at an eye hospital. Quite a painful place <laughs> painful to sit, experience, I found, yeah. with a eye infection. You should go straight to your optician on the high street. Oh. After the wait in the A&E, when it looked like we weren't really going to get anywhere, I just, we went back home and I just went into the optician and said, is there something I can do about this now? And he said, you should have come straight to us. We treat all eye injuries immediately. And they're super qualified and they can prescribe, got an antibiotic drip and various other things to put in it. But if that happens, particularly with your kids and your teen kids, don't you just go straight to an optician. Spectators have appointments as well. So there, I, I've been helpful in my bizarre holiday injury as well. Mm, injuries. You see, always looking for the silver lining, aren't you? Mm, well, nothing's happened on this trip yet. No, but there is there is a few hours to go before we get back on the train. So, I mean, anything could happen. Anyway, we will be back with some more of our getaway shenanigans a bit later in the show. But now it's time to hear our interview with the wonderful Anna Richardson, which we recorded live on stage in London. Please welcome Anna Richardson. Hello. Can I just say... This is everything. But you're happy now, aren't you? I'm much happier, yeah. but slightly freaked out because this is the second stage that I've been on in the last hour and a half, and I'm slightly traumatised. Tell us what happened on the first it's one because it's quite so, dramatic this morning. It's nuts. You know the actress Ruth Wilson? She's doing a 24-hour play called The Second Woman down at the Young Vic as we speak, where she plays the same breakup scene with 100 different people over 24 hours, and some of those people are her exes, some of them are, are famous actors, Idris Elba's down there, and some of them are 
muggins, <laughs> members of the public, me. Don't quite know how I got myself involved in this, but yeah, I went how and did, did it. How did it go? I mean, what did it you... It was crazy. So you can, you can interpret the scene mm-hmm. um, however you wish, but it is a breakup scene. So I played it as two sisters, which threw her because she doesn't know what's coming. I've had noodles thrown at me and smeared in my face oh. by her. And then she wrestled me to the ground. So I'm just like, I feel like I've been assaulted. So anyway, so now I'm here. I hope you're not going to well, throw noodles all. we're going to be a bit more gentle. We, Thank we're you. We're not going to wrestle you to the ground. But we, we're going to have a little chat with you before we get into some really juicy dilemmas that are real-life dilemmas that we have from our audience, our Facebook group. But when we last met you, Anna, it was on Zoom in yeah. lockdown. Yeah. You, I think we were in... Your mum's front room, yeah. weren't you? We, we like yes. we like that. That was brilliant. It's, it's Staffordshire, isn't yeah. she, where your mum lives? You were about to turn fifty, and you yes. weren't very happy about it. And this was two years ago. So yeah, you got through the fifty. How are you feeling about that now? A couple of things. When I spoke to you girls, a couple of things were, were going on in my life at the time. And you know, one thing that I couldn't particularly talk about at the time, which was I was going through a very difficult um, patch with my girlfriend at the time, Sue Perkins, who's now a very, very good friend of mine. But we were, we were splitting up, really, at that point. So I was very sad, um, and I was struggling with that. And also just going through the menopause mm-hmm. and hitting 50. So now that we're, what, two years down the line, I think I'm turning a corner. I'm definitely turning a corner. So I've met somebody new, which really helps. And I know that you'll understand this. A very, very difficult period of time. Mm-hmm. Very, very sad for a good year. And that, that's been a challenge, I have to say. But I'm, I've, I've come through the other side. What's got you through the other side then? What have you been relying on? What have been your strategies? Well, I'll be absolutely honest. I, I always believe in being very straightforward and very honest. Otherwise, it's just, what's the point? I found being single very difficult. I haven't been single since the age of 16, basically. So for me to split up from a a nine-year relationship where I had my dog and my home and my safety and my partner, to suddenly go to nothing and having to start again on my own was very difficult. You know, I I won't lie, I I had a lot of psychotherapy. I needed to meditate a lot. I escaped to the countryside a lot. I believe very much in, in green therapy. But at the time as well, I, I got involved with a author called Dr. Anna Machin, I think her surname is, or Makin, Machin. But she's written an amazing book called Why We Love. And I urge you to read it. I think she may also have an audio book out of it as well, if you can't be bothered to read it. But she said to me that there are some people, because I was struggling so much, that she said there are some people who are genetically primed to be in relationships. And I think I'm one of those people. I've never been on my own. I don't like being on my own. And where people say, embrace it, it's amazing being single. No, it's shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for me, I, I think I'm one of those people that mm-hmm. genetically I need to have my other half. Mm-hmm. So that was helpful to talk to her. And then I went, after about a year of being on my own and sort of holding that space, I put it out there to friends and family last year and said, I I need to meet somebody now. What have you got for me? (laughs) So, yeah. So you didn't go on the apps. It was more of a... No, I mean, you guys are both married, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Not to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Although it does feel like Surprisingly. Sanna, yes. I know. But, okay, if Mm. you weren't married... Or if you'd split up, wow. what would you do now? You see, this is the difference. I can't be on my own for, what, it must be about eight minutes I can manage yeah, on my own. And you like being on I your own like for long periods of time, don't well, you? I ha- well, I think because I haven't had any time on my own, but I did have a weekend on my own, bizarrely, over the coronation weekend. And I really loved it. But did I you? was ready for them all to come back. Actually, this is going to touch on, I think, the first dilemma that we have for you, which we're going to come to in a minute. But we should probably talk, because it's been a time of beginnings for you, a new relationship and a new podcast. Do you want to tell us about the new podcast, which has just launched? I know. Obviously, you girls are old old hams at this. Um, (laughs) It's it's pretty pretty new for me. (laughs) Old hams and hams. Ham is the right word. (laughs) It's fairly new for me. So um, I've got a new series, which I'm delighted about, called It Can't Just Be Me. And it's an advice podcast where we invite listeners to write in or ring in with their life dilemma. And we cover 
fucking everything. <laughs> so, you know, whatever your problem is, we invite it. We have a celebrity guest with us who's been through something similar and wants to give their advice and also a psychotherapist. So it's kind of like girls chatting, but actually with a bit of expertise. Excellent. And who are some of the guests that you've had on already? We have had on some pretty amazing people, actually. Rosie Jones, Mm -hmm. the um, comedian who has cerebral palsy, was particularly memorable because she was talking about, we were talking about dating. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you've got cerebral palsy and you're famous. How do you date? How do you find somebody? You've got a visible disability. You're well known. Do you go on apps? You know, at what point do you say, actually, as you can see, I've got cerebral palsy, you can't understand what I'm saying. So that was really interesting to listen to somebody that struggles to date because of their very visible disability. We've had Kate Ferdinand on, married to Rio, talking about having a blended family. She's a stepmother. She's now pregnant with their second child as well. So talking about the, the difficulties of being in a blended family. And another great person, actually, was Dr. Range. Incredible story about coming out in later life. He was married, but knew that he was, he was living a lie. Mm-hmm. So ultimately had to mm-hmm. say to his wife, after some therapy, uh, do you know what? I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I think nice. I'm a gay man. I mean, devastating. And they no longer speak. Oh, and that is oh, what wow. is really, yeah. really tragic. So... Yeah, relationships. Brilliant. Right, well, you're very very qualified, I think. Right, we're going to kick off, aren't we? We might get the audience as well to give some of their thoughts and points of view on these dilemmas. Do you want to kick off the first one? Yes, miss, I do. Yes, good. Got your clipboard. Got my clipboard. (laughs) So this is a question for you. Regretting the breakup from uh, one of our Facebook team. I came out of a long-term relationship last year and thought I'd got over him, remained friends, chatted online, I met up a little while ago with him and all the old feelings came back. He has had a girlfriend since we split, but I haven't had the confidence to start dating again. It's been such a long time and I feel uncomfortable in my skin. I can't imagine getting undressed in front of anyone. I know what went wrong between us and I don't know if I could go through that again, but my heart tells me to try. Don't know how he feels and scared to ask as I feel he has moved on to someone else and he can't love me anymore. Any suggestions? Please be nice. My heart and head are battling with each other all the time oh god it's a lot to unpack there isn't it because you've got the should you stay friends with your ex regretting big life decisions not feeling confident about your body should she actually ask him how he's feeling yeah where do you begin with that okay so i can identify with this a lot and that the head heart thing is an interesting thing First of all, though, um, I would be really interested to see, if I can just shield my eyes, hands up, are any of you friends with your exes? God, that's, oh, I see. that's not as many as I thought, yeah, actually. I thought it would be more. That's only yeah. about a third of people. So, I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a difficult one. Much of this is about context. So, you absolutely can, of course, be friends with your ex, Obviously, you have to give it time. You have to create that distance. You have to create that time in order to allow, A, your emotions to settle down and cool down, but just to create that very safe space between you. Again, much of this is about context, and she doesn't say what happened between them, but Mm. there's a slight red flag for me in in what she's saying, which is, what was it? I know what happened. I know what happened yes. between us. Yes, I know what happened between us. Mm. Okay, I know what happened between us. I know what went wrong between us. I, thank you. There we are, the wrong, I think. Is I know video. what went wrong between us, but I, I've lost my confidence. I think he's moved on, but I think I want to give it another go. My head and my heart. So what you're talking about here is your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. So she knows consciously she shouldn't go there again. But unconsciously, her emotional brain, her subconscious is saying, give it another go. It's it's safe for you. It's what you know. Try it again. But context is king. I'm concerned about the fact that if she's saying, I know what went wrong between us, and she's lost her confidence, that sounds to me as though there was toxicity Mm -hmm. within this relationship. And that she sounds like the more broken person in it, especially if he's now moved on 
I think, and has got yes. another girlfriend. Has had, a, has had another girlfriend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I so say I'm, no. I say well, forget him and move on. That's what I say. <laughs> but that's so hard, isn't yeah. it? And, and I understand this, having been in and out of you know various relationships. I'm 52. But one thing I, I needed to get some help with quite some time ago was with codependence. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a slight red flag of codependency <laughs> with, yeah. with her yes. saying it went wrong. But should I try? Should I ask him how he's feeling? Maybe I should go back. Maybe it's okay. No. No, it went wrong is the key bit of that. Explain what codependency is Mm. and how we stop ourselves being codependent. Okay, so codependency in many ways is, is very similar to sort of addiction. And people that find themselves in a codependent relationship often come from broken homes, sometimes or broken marriages, or they find themselves drawn to people with addictions or who are can be emotionally a little bit abusive and there's a need in us to fix the other person so we get drawn to that damage and we need to try and fix them and even though we can't fix them we keep trying and we keep going back and if only if only it could just get back well I can help that well I can help them and what they don't recognize is that actually that person is damaging you you're damaging them because you're enabling the toxicity and it just goes round and round and round in a loop so it's slightly addictive and it's very very damaging and after a while I certainly sought some help with there's there's a a 12-step program that you can join um very similar to AA and NA there is one for codependence as well um, which is very very helpful if you feel that you're caught up in one of those relationships where your other half is just quite their behavior is toxic and they make you feel bad but you find yourself trying to fix it and you stay even though you know you shouldn't is that the same with, can you have a codependency with a friend? Oh, 100%. I guess it's similar. You could have a friend who is draining and toxic. And, of course, of yeah, course, because yeah. we're talking about relationships. Yeah, yeah. So it can also be within families. Are you giving me funny looks? <laughs> I know, yeah. The eyes. <laughs> yeah, you can. Good, so yeah. so that, that goes for friendships. It can go for work colleagues or your boss. Um, the same within families and of obviously intimate relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's um, a very unhappy, toxic dance that you do with mm. each other, basically. Mm-hmm. And the only way is to break it. You have to leave it. Fascinating. Do you have any advice? I'm thinking specifically, if she's not feeling confident about getting undressed in front of anyone, I mean, this is your area, right? Yeah. With your TV show. Yeah. What would you say? We do hear it a lot from women yeah. on our Facebook group that, you know, once you're single in your sort of mid-40s and 50s after you've been in long-term relationships, it's quite hard because your body has changed completely yeah. over that time. And you're yeah, probably yeah, yeah. going through menopause. And you yeah. might be going through perimenopause yeah. and menopause. Exactly. Yeah. Which, judging by the audience, I'm thinking that's probably <laughs> us. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I can identify with this from a personal perspective that when you're in a long-term relationship, you get really comfortable, don't you? And you kind of like, you know... you don't really care it's easy you're trying to look after yourself but you're loved it's easy when you split up with somebody I mean when I split up from Sue I just went on a complete bender (laughs) of just basically you know eating ice cream Haagen-Dazs drinking way too much um, smoking I don't smoke um, and it was slightly self-destructive so I understand the lack of confidence when I met my other half so I've now got a new boyfriend who is an angel to me and just what I needed but I had that moment of Jesus Christ, right? A, I've been in a lesbian relationship for nearly 10 years. I've not even snogged a guy. This is going to be interesting. (laughs) So um, that was a challenge. But the way that I've overcome that, and of course we need to accept our bodies and we embrace our difference. But actually, certainly this year, I've gone on on quite a major health kick Mm -hmm. in terms of not only do I want to feel better for myself, but actually I owe it to our relationship to try and be the best that I can be. And we're getting older, girls. So, you know, there's another aspect to that of we've got to start looking after ourselves. So the short answer is, because I could go on forever, is I think that she needs to make the decision to be her best self and she has to do the work. And it's difficult. It's difficult. Well, I mean, she, she needs to be single for a bit, doesn't she? I mean, that's the main thing. She needs some space to find herself, get her confidence. That, to me, is, you know, goodbye to him. Yeah. 
you don't need any relationship at the minute. That surely is the more sensible. So we're saying we're saying she shouldn't get back in contact with him. What does the audience think? Do you think she should get back in contact with him? Anybody hands? Oh, oh look at them. We oh, know one person wise. that you think she should. Oh, she shouldn't. Oh. Right. Okay. Nobody thinks she should. Well, we do the, thank you very much. We one. have um, a good dilemma here. I think you should I'm tackle doing this, this one, one, Trish, because it's pertinent to me as well. It is. <laughs> it's not you. This isn't you. I know. I thought you had made it up as me. No, there, this is genuine. This is, this is genuine <laughs> from And this Facebook. one, if anybody has listened to the podcast and knows Lorraine might know, it's this one's called I Can't Stop Doing <laughs> Death Maths. Oh, God. Right. Here we go. I'm about to turn 55 soon and can't stop worrying about my mortality. I have an eight-year-old daughter and I'm surrounded by 30 to 40-year-olds at the school gate and 60 to 70-year-olds at my tennis club, so I don't feel I fit in with either. Plus, I've started working with the elderly for a charity and I'm seeing people with mobility issues and serious health problems. I'm starting to really worry about dying, which I've never done before. Even though I've had cancer 12 years ago, I can't bear the thought of leaving my daughter too soon. Sadly, I've heard too many stories of people dying too young lately, which has made me think too much that it suddenly could be me. Has anyone else found a particular age has triggered this fear? And any tips or positive thoughts about how to put it into perspective again? It's an age that's it's this yeah. age, isn't it? We're yeah. in the kind of the, the zone. Have you got it? Have you got the, this, the, the death maths? I've got the death maths, yes. It's, um, I wake up feeling slightly melancholy some days yeah. and I worry about the end being nigh. Yes, mm. totally. Has anybody else feeling this? Yeah. yeah, I told you. It's only hit me recently. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm doing the death maths as well, and not least because our parents are yes, sick and elderly yeah. right now. Mm. I don't have children either, so suddenly I'm also having the sort of child maths thing of going, Christ, you know, who's going to look after me when I'm older? Mm-hmm. So I'm we going will. to steal some kids. <laughs> we will, yeah. You can come into our special home that we're Thank going to you. set yes. up. For, into, yes. into the All co- of the, the midlife women, yes. the midlife females. Yes. all come back here again. Yeah. 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 So what I would say about this, and I think we're all in agreement, and if you haven't had the death maths thing, you will. If we're in our 50s, we, if we're lucky, then we've got our final third of our lives that that we're about to be living if we're lucky we're going to hopefully go into our 80s maybe 90s so we're suddenly talking what 35 years Mm -hmm. and it's a long slow shitty decline (laughs) into wetting yourself (laughs) and falling over so the fall for the fall yeah (laughs) we're worried about the fall already yeah exactly the fall okay so here's what i think let's think about the, the, the three principles in our lives now that we're, we're in our 50s, okay? So I would say number one when we're thinking about death is our spiritual lives, okay? And I'll come back to that in a second. The other one is our purpose in life. And then finally, it's our, it's our physicality as well. So there's a sort of tripod that, that, that should be the base of our lives at this age. Now, spiritual life first, This is really important. Whether you're into this or not, it's worth thinking about. Because if you have a curiosity about spirituality or your spiritual life, you can start to think beyond this life now. Is there something beyond? Uh, For example, my other half is a Buddhist. So he has no fear of death at all. And he absolutely believes that there is no end to life. And this, he reads up about this all the time and feels very secure in living his life now because he knows there's no end. My dad, for example, is, is a priest. He's a very sick man. My dad has vascular dementia and is very, very unwell and it's, it's heartbreaking. But when I've said to him before now and I've been in hospital with him when he's had a stroke and all this kind of stuff, and I've said, Dad, you know, you, you know are you okay about... He's dying, basically. And my dad is absolutely clear. And he turned to me one day and he went, darling, I'm, I'm going to the company of angels. Mm. That was profound for me. Because if he genuinely believes that that's where he's going, he doesn't give a shit about dying. So this is really interesting. So I would urge you, whether you're into it or not, just do some reading around spiritual aspects of, 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 of life and death. So number two, I'd think about purpose in life. We know from a a psychotherapeutic point of view anyway, that purpose equals happiness 
really. That if you have no purpose, then you are going to be depressed. And it is just a long, slow decline into nothingness. So what is your purpose? Is it your children? Is it your community? What gives you happiness and what gives you purpose? And you'll find with older people... And I can see this actually in my dad as well, because the minute he retired, he just fucking gave up. Whereas his purpose used to be, certainly wasn't us as a family, it was his community, it was his congregation. So I think as we get older and we go towards finishing our working lives, you've got to start to reframe, what am I here for? What can I give to somebody else? Because by giving, you receive And it makes you very, very happy. That uh, selfless thing of being able to help somebody else, giving you purpose. So just think about what your purpose is and how that's going to continue into your old age. Because that's the thing. Is We've seen so many old people where they go, you know, just sitting watching EastEnders. They have no purpose. And that's going to kill you. So the, the other thing I'd say, you know, finally, is that third leg of the tripod, really, is, is our, our physical selves. So I made a, um, a decision at the beginning of the year to try and get myself fit and healthy, to stop the boozing, stop the smoking, stop the overeating. And I know why I do it all, but a very conscious decision to start exercising well and trying to treat myself well. My trainer said to me just the other day, because I was a bit like, this is a bit fucking boring. I'm just kind of doing a load of stretching and lunges. This is dull. And he said, listen, I am creating the solid foundation, particularly from the bottom half of your body, because as and when you fall, when you're older and you're on the floor, guess what? You'll be able to get back up again. Mm -hmm. So the more that you can do this now in your 50s, <laughs> the stronger you become, honestly, you can, you'll be able to get back up. My dad is falling all the time mm -hmm. and I'm having to call an ambulance every six seconds oh, yeah. because he didn't take care of himself. Mm -hmm. So your physical selves, now is the time so that we become stronger and more flexible in our old age. Mm -hmm. There's also something about learning to be in the present, isn't there? Which I think, you know, is neurologically really and we had Ruby Wax yesterday and, and the major, a lot of the journeys she's been on in the last year have been about learning to be in the present and have that sense of now rather than constantly racing through life doing 100% sex. so yeah. of course we catastrophize don't we we can't help ourselves but to project forward into you know I do it all the time with I haven't got kids oh my god my parents are going to die what am I going to do so that's unhelpful it's unhelpful thinking again I'm sure Ruby would have talked about this that our minds are primed to look for the negative, so to protect us. So if you go back to your dilemma, the fact that your colleague, your friend, or mm. our Facebook friend, is saying, now everywhere I look, everywhere I look, there's old people falling over. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to. So she's now primed her unconscious mm, mind to, see to that look secret. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. can train yourself out of that. You can train yourself to actually look for the positive. So I would be saying, let's look at those amazing role models out there, the amazing older people that are still active, you know, still got all their cognition, doing really well. Mm. I'd look at that, at how well we can live, rather than, Christ, Dad's fallen over again. I need to ring 999. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I would say. Mm -hmm. We've got the time now, the chance now at this life stage to ensure that we have that better third act, I suppose, don't we? We do, it's the third act. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, we're really privileged, actually, because our parents didn't have this. We are privileged. We have the knowledge. We have the health. Mm -hmm. We, You know, we have the know-how. We have the HRT. We've got the <laughs> HRT. <laughs> the HRT. We've got the drugs. <laughs> yes. Has yeah. anyone else conquered the death mass themselves that they'd like to tell us, give us some positivity tips? I worked in palliative care for very many years. And so I've got to This is Dr. Emma, one of our very oh. famous Facebook friends. <laughs> group expert. <laughs> group expert. But in palliative care, when you talk, listen, and you're caring for people at the end of life, the dying bit isn't necessarily much of a problem compared to the fact that they didn't make the most of their life. And, that, and it's also the bit of their life where they've lost their mobility, they've lost their independence, and the quality of life has gone. So I think it's about concentrating on your time now where you can really make yourself strong. Like you said, Trish, this is the best prognosis with regards to how well you're going to be in your third act is how you are now in midlife. Ooh. So it's like an opportunity to really get on top of your health and your physical mm. health and mental health 
and it just sets you on that right path. Mm -hmm. So it is an opportunity. And I say, in palliative care, it's not so much the dying, it's the bit before, the suffering, the lack of, you know, the, the quality of life that goes. But we can do a lot now to prevent that, I think. And with, with the people who you've helped who are dying, what are their overriding memories? When they talk about their lives, what is it that they say? Always human connection. Exactly. So I can't remember where I read this. It might be, actually, I think it's in, um, again, there's an incredible book called Heartbreak by, I want to say, Vanessa Williams, and Florence Williams, the journalist. Unbelievable story of um, a woman, American journalist, married for 30 years, couple of kids, perfect marriage, until one day her husband walks out on her. She had no idea that it was coming. He'd met somebody else. She's utterly heartbroken. And she goes on a journey of healing. And it's an extraordinary book. And what you realize by the end of it is she says, and by the way, she does the, the, the neuroscience of it all and, and the you know, physiology of it all. Heartbreak kills you. It quite literally affects your heart. So it's, it's fascinating, this book. But by the end of it, she's, she's healed herself. And she realises that the one thing that helps you to heal your broken heart is awe. Mm -hmm. So she goes on this nature journey of endurance, basically. She, she does a lot of white water rafting. And what, one of the things that will heal you is, is to be awe-inspired. And also the connections. So when you're dying... You're going to look back on your life, aren't you, and go, who did I love? Who loved me? And what did I see? So we have a, a final dilemma, which I'm going to kind of slightly amalgamate because we get it so often. Mm. So midlife, time of reinvention, time of transition. But going through menopause, perimenopause, a lot of women lose all their confidence. Sometimes their perimenopause makes them feel ashamed of their lack of confidence. Their brain fog is unbearable. And one phrase that comes up a lot, so how do I get my confidence back mm. in midlife when I might be starting a new job? I might have been made redundant. My partner might have left yeah. me. My parents. Yeah. And this sense of imposter syndrome which is a phrase I hate but it comes up a lot how do women fuel themselves forward for this because you could do something totally different in the next stage couldn't you what what as yes. a therapist what would you advise okay well I mean there's so much to say around this but I, I would say that this is a time in our lives where we have the time and the freedom and the confidence actually to go and reinvent ourselves if we want to. Back in the day, we would have been the wise women of the tribe. People would have come to us to say, tell me how to get through this, this and this situation. But certainly in the Western world and in the UK, we don't see ourselves as that. We see ourselves as invisible. We're not. So in terms of, of getting our confidence back, again, I'd go back to what's our purpose, mm -hmm. actually. What is it? What can we give back to help somebody else that gives our lives meaning and purpose? So that's what I'd be looking at from a, a personal point of view. The other thing is, do you know what? Have some sex. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I know, I know you're looking around going, what's that? I know, yes, I hear you. But it, but it is, it is about being in your body again and having some fabulous, fabulous sex so that you feel vibrant and youthful and purposeful again is, is what, yes. I know it sounds odd, but I think we forget to have good sex and I know there's blank faces. <laughs> well, I think they're well, wondering you're where they can do it today. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're, we're well, getting the, the sense that the, it's the, going the, well for you. Part of the reason that, that I say this <laughs> in a sort of oversharing, you know, kind of way is that certainly when I came out of my relationship with, with Sue and, you know, certainly not having had sex with, with a man for mm. 10 years, it was really, really challenging. But there's something wonderful about falling in love again with your partner or finding somebody new and actually embracing your physical sexual side, mm. it has certainly put a smile on my face. So, <laughs> round of applause for that. Thank you. Well done, me. We, um, well done, me. We have some time for some uh, questions from the audience. Um, for Anna, if anybody has a question they would like to ask. 
Does that include sex with yourself and sex toys and oh sort goodness. of rediscovering your own we've sexuality? Gone. We've gone. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you, have you covered great. this? This Good question. We, yeah. we haven't covered this. Do it. All right. So, do you know this is this is really? Thank you for that. This is really, this is really interesting because I've just done a campaign with um, a company called Replens about vaginal moisture. I know it's taboo. I love a taboo. So they've just done um, a really interesting survey of, of women in their menopause and the things that bothered them most. 80% mm. of women said that actually, because of the lack of estrogen that we're experiencing, they have vaginal dryness. And this is causing daily discomfort, impossible sex, and they're too ashamed to go to their doctors to talk about it. And that is just outrageous. So going back to, does this include sex with ourselves if we're not in a relationship? Or even if you are, 100%. You know, remember, do you remember what it was like when we were teenagers, when we were young women, right at the beginning of our sexual journey? Fuck, it was exciting. So, you know, we lose, somehow we lose that. When we're, when we're older. So I would say, absolutely, make sure you're lubed up and that you're nice and moisturised, your entire body, and that includes internally. And enjoy yourself. Masturbate. Get the sex toys. Do it with your other half or on your own. It doesn't matter. You're getting back in touch with your fundamental self. And if you've never had an orgasm, now is the fucking time, girls. <laughs> now is the time, seriously. Vaginal atrophy, 80% of women have some form of uh, vaginal atrophy during their perimenopause, so after the age of about 40. As I understand it, I'm just going to say, because I know that we're short on time, but I'm going to tell you an amazing story. So nothing shocks me, okay, basically. Very little <laughs> well, shocks me. Well, you couldn't me. do your TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> you were easily yeah. shocked. I know, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. be a very short career. Um, but recently, I was round this friend's house, this married couple, and um, my, my mate is married to a slightly older lady. And I, was, I, I had a glass of wine. I was in their kitchen. And I said to this lady, how are you? Are you, are you okay? You know, how's everything going? She went, well, I can tell you I've just come out of hospital. And I said, like, oh, really? I'm so sorry to hear that. What's, are you okay? What happened? She went, no, my labia are fused together. And I literally was oh, like... Oh, goodness. I've... Wow. What? Wow. The actual... My labia have fused together. How does that happen? And she'd had to go... I mean, you, you're, you're aware of this, right? Who? No one's told us. No. So vag vaginal atrophy, mm. that your labia, if, if you're not careful in menopause, you become so dry that they become like Velcro oh. and fused together. <laughs> Hence, lube up. Just keep yourself greased up. Otherwise, vaginal atrophy. She had to have them cut apart. Oh. Thank you very much. Oh, I that note. <laughs> You must come it. again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was so, so helpful. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> and thank you, Dr. Emma, for your contribution thank as well. You, so Dr. thank you, Thank Anna. you. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Oh. 
was lovely hearing uh, that interview with Anna again. She's so funny and friendly and wise, isn't she? It's a brilliant combination. It's a bit like us, Trish. Well, I'm funny. Not so friendly. Right, right. Enough of that. Moving swiftly along. Because we have arrived at our next destination. Well, we're actually still in the lovely hotel, the artist's residence in Brighton. But I mean the next part of the show, which regular listeners will know as How to Win at Midlife. For this episode, do you want to do a jingle? Da, da, da. We're calling it Postcards from Saw Days. So this, we have teamed up with Saw Days, the travel experts, to ask their super experienced travel guides to spill the beans on how you can plan your best midlife adventures. We said, tell us all your travel secrets, Saw Days, and they did. Um, you see, that's what makes us wise, Lorraine, isn't it? Calling in the experts to find all the right info. I just want to point out, Trish, that while we're staying at the uh, artist's residence, we don't have to be artists to stay here. No. We are sort of an artist, aren't we, after our, what was our cocktail last night, our margaritas? We had a mango spice margarita. That was very nice, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, not that kind of artist. But I did have a, a little vision when I was on the train down um, of you arriving at reception in a little artist smock. Dressing for the occasion. Maybe a beret or something. <laughs> that kept me entertained for a little while. But anyway, moving on, we're going to have to do some maths, aren't we, uh, before yep. we divulge all these newfound travel secrets. So I'm going to hand over to you, Trish, because I'm really hopeless at maths. Yes, it's not your thing, is it? Yes, but this is holiday maths. Okay. Um, it's actually just, really, it's just a few simple statistics from our survey, which uh, have given us a really helpful insight into just how important travel and adventure are at this life stage. So thanks again to everyone who filled in the survey. And the first thing to note is that 77% of you took three or more holidays in the last year. Whoa. And nearly half took up to six breaks in the last year. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of midlifers, isn't it? Midlife women marauding around the globe. Good work, ladies. I'm very impressed. Or gadding like us, gadding about, gadding about in Brighton. And this isn't going to be a surprise to anybody. Guess what? 85% of the respondents said that they are the ones who do all the work, all the heavy lifting, all the planning and the booking of holidays and trips away. That is the Gen X way, isn't it? There is a phrase, oh. isn't there? If you want something done, ask a busy midlife woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this other thing won't surprise you uh, either, listeners. Um, those of us booking the trips are thinking mainly what would please everyone else. We're thinking this above our own needs. We're yeah. wondering whether our partners, our children, our younger children, our teens or our family are okay with a holiday we are booking. A whopping 70% of us um, are going on what you and I have de deemed please everyone else breaks. It's a bit out of order. Um, it's always down to the midlife women, isn't it? But don't fear, here on our new section, Postcards from Sore Days, <laughs> we're going to be sharing ideas of places to go that will tick all the boxes for all your needy, wanty, finickety travel partners. That's our usefulness for you. Yes, I know, because I, I do remember in my uh, perimenopause rage days before I went on HRT, holidays were such a trigger point for me because you'd spend ages planning them, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, you'd be exhausted from work, head off on your holiday, and then oh, one moan was kind of all it took to set me off. So, um, Like the red touch to paper. Yeah. Exactly, stand well back. But there is some good news because over half of the people who uh, responded to the survey are planning girls' getaways like us here in Brighton. And quite a few, actually, are planning solo trips too. sort of, I guess we'd call them mini gap year style breaks. Although, obviously, we can't take a year off because the whole of uh, the British economy would collapse, I think, if a midlife <laughs> yes. woman took a year off to herself. And I was quite impressed to see that 20% are planning to go away on their own completely solo at some point over the next... 12 months. Now, that's one in five, Lorraine, for you with the maths there, 20%, just in case you were wondering. That figure is actually up from 15% who went away on their own some last year. So it's definitely something that women are thinking more and more about and wanting to do, whether they do it or not. But it is a thing for this life stage. In fact, I think I haven't told you this, Lorraine. My sister, Teresa, is currently on her own in Australia. What? A long way away from her. I know, it's quite impressive, isn't it? She took um, a year-long sabbatical from her job. She's a teacher. And she's been doing some studying and various different things. But she really wanted to do some travel. And because her husband couldn't take time out of his job, uh, she's gone on her own. It's very impressive. She's done a, a week-long camel trek in Australia. She's 
been around Adelaide, all these cities, and then she's meeting up with an old friend. But I don't think she would have done that in her younger years. I think it's definitely a midlife thing for her. Yes, I do. I do. I think this midlife, this idea of a midlife gap, because midlife is, a, is the gap between one place mm-hmm. and the next, is something we're hearing a lot about. A lot more people doing it now, as you say, than in their 20s. But get your little mini violin out for me, Trish, mm. because... Uh, I was too busy in my teens and 20s because I didn't go to university mm. or any some such thing to have a gap year. Aww. I was too busy on working my arse off on newspapers. There's no Brighton Polly for me, Trish. No. But I think if I did do a gap year, and actually we were asked at the uh, event, weren't we, mm. on our event about where we wanted to go. I've got my uh, heart set on something very cold. I want to oh. go Arctic. Oh, I want to do the top polar bears, etc. That's where you'll find me if I'm off on a solo trip. Send out the search party. Did you have a gap year? I did. Well, I had a gap three months, I suppose, a sort of similar thing. Yes. And Neil and I, after Brighton Polly, actually, we did um, three months backpacking around India and Nepal. We had £600 between us for three months. Imagine. Imagine. That was definitely the place to go back in in the 80, late eighties if you were if you were doing your sort of gap year soloing. But these days, of mm. course, the, all the youngsters where are they going? Southeast Asia. Yeah, and in fact, my young chap, my young son, Kit, is coming back today. In fact, this afternoon. I can't imagine little Kit going I off on know. his own. How do you let yeah. him out the front door? I know. Well, he's not. He's a big, big boy now. He's nineteen, but he's um he's been uh, marauding around. Vietnam, Thailand, um, and he he said, oh, mum, there's millions of us out here because, of course, they've all got snap maps and they're all looking up where each other are and going to meet each other up. So when Neil and I did it, obviously, we the only thing I did, the only communication I did was write one air letter home. (laughs) Do you remember those? They were like a blue fold-out letter. Air mail. I wrote one air mail letter to my parents in the whole three months. Can you imagine that now? I wouldn't cope with with not being able to... um, yeah, be in touch with the old children. Anyway, I think you would probably be pulling on your hiking boots, wouldn't you? Yes. Wafting around a museum on a gap trip. Yes, yeah, exactly. Definitely lots of walking for me and cultural stuff. I'm much more up my street. Um, and I'm not alone in that because we need. We do know from our survey that enjoying great food, exploring new cultures, wellness and walking mm-hmm. are the activities midlife women are most interested in doing while on holiday. And in fact, walking much higher up the list than your cold water swimming. 71% of our listeners like mm. to go on a hike while on holiday, but only 18% go cold water swimming. What say you to that, Lorraine Candy? Well, I say silly, silly, <laughs> missing a trick, <laughs> missing a, a soul nourishing trick, um, because there are so many great places to go and swim. So you get the swim, but you also get the great places um, mm-hmm. in the UK. Actually, the UK was the most popular place that we're all holidaying in. And 76% had taken a break in England, Wales, Scotland or Northern Ireland. And 95% took a break in a European country. So it's UK and Europe that are our top destinations, according to the survey. Yes. So which means that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing some exciting and unexpected travel destinations, especially for you across Europe and mm. the UK. For all the types of holidays that you said you are taking, which includes the Please Everyone holiday, our girls getaways, romantic breaks, perhaps, and a big hurrah. The big hurrahs, we like to do those for special occasions, go away together, holidaying with teens and going solo too. Um, and we're also going to be suggesting ideas for walking, food and cultural destinations you might not have thought about before. Well, I've already asked the team at Saw Days for um, some summer UK ideas. Now, you know I like to go to Cornwall. Yes. Because I am from Cornwall um, and I just always can't think of a better place to holiday, to be honest. But we are thinking of taking a little stopover, my Ah. husband and I, uh, James, this year uh, during our trip to Cornwall, get the older kids to look after the smaller kids. And I talked to Saw Days and they have suggested that... um, I head to Bodmin Moor, Ooh. which uh, near where I grew up, but they've suggested a really lovely idea. Um, one of their favourite houses, they say, is the stylish Trevedo Farmhouse. Now, weirdly, I've been following Trevedo Farmhouse um, on Instagram. It sits within 90 acres of regenerated farmland, and it's really brilliant because regenerated farmland is a working farm, but everything you eat, you know, it's all grown on the land. Oh, it's, it's really lovely. Really it's a nice. really beautiful place um, as well. When you enter the village, there's a little sign. It says Twinned with Narnia. Uh, pretty Ooh. magical. Um, so that's Bodmin Moor. There, another area they suggested, which is off the beaten track, and it is hard to find off the beaten track in Cornwall now. But Sawdays have come up with this idea. 
It's uh, the Lizard Peninsula, which is on the west coast of Cornwall. Um, you've got the Kynance Cove anywhere there, which is, honestly, if you haven't been to Kynance, it's like a tropical beach. Mm-hmm. It's so, so beautiful. Um, but you can take um, a walk along the southwest coast path there. And there are loads of little coves um, along there. And in Lizard Village, there's something called Anne's Pasties. Oh, which I think my husband will like. Yes. I hope she has some vegetarian ones for you, Anne. Oh, they always do a potato and um, thingy one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Big old potato-y one. Elsewhere off the beaten track in the UK, um, somewhere actually I haven't been, Herefordshire, and apparently that's on the up. Um, according to Saw Days, it's proving to be one of 2023's right. Most popular staycation destinations, second only to Devon. Devon is ahead of Cornwall, apparently. We don't speak of Devon in Cornwall. <laughs> I think what's uh, what's really appealing about um, Herefordshire is that uh, it's beautiful countryside and a mix of Welsh and English culture and heritage and lots of lovely food. Now, I've always wanted to go to the Hay on Wye Festival, never got my act together quite difficult, I think, to get tickets and accommodation. So I might go out of season and they recommend um, the Bridge House, which is near Hay on Wise. It's a really beautiful, sustainable barn conversion between a sort of small hotel and an intimate B&B. And it's got a gorgeous garden and uh, lots of lovely local restaurants nearby. I like the fact that a lot of these places are very sustainable, like the one you were talking yeah. about as well in Cornwall. Yeah. So, but if if you had to be, t- if I could tempt you away from Cornwall this summer, Lorraine, where where might you go? Um, I have heard a lot about Italian agritourism. It's this tradition of sustainable, organic, off the beaten track places to stay, where they have eco farming and they bring it all. You know, it's all local. I'd quite like to have a little look at that and. Sawdays have got a new collection um, of Agriturismo. Um, I don't know how you say it in Italian. They've got it at San Gallo in Montepulciano, which I guess is where the wine the is wine, from. The wine, the vino, it? yes. yes. <laughs> it's a kind of grown-up space where you'll be treated to kind of um, all sorts of wine tasting, olive oil from the local estate, seasonal organic produce from the orchard and vegetable garden. Sounds really lovely, actually. Mm. And if you like the idea of that in the UK... Back to the second most popular destination, <laughs> um, back to Devon, because there's a place called Glebe House in Devon, which does that kind of uh, tourism as well. Can you say it again? Agriturismo, I like saying that. It's a Glebe House. Agriturismo, I think, isn't it, in the UK? And if, and if you like Agriturismo, then uh, make your way to Glebe yes, House in Devon. I might stop off on my way to Cornwall. Yeah. So I don't know whether I've told you yet, but I'm going to Arcachon. In France this year. Mon Dieu. Do you know what that is, where that is? No. No. No, there's no need. No reason why you should, because it is kind of, again, probably not the most obvious of destinations for us, us Brits, but it's a, a French seaside destination. And I have to say, I mean, we have loved being in Brighton, but the French do the seaside very, very well. If you've never done a French seaside holiday, it's it's got all the fun stuff of the UK beach holiday, but just a bit more stylish and better food, probably. Um, so we've already been to Le Touquet and Deauville, um, but we're heading a bit further south this time to Arcachon, which is near near Bordeaux. And it's going to be a lot of food, beautiful food, wine, bit of bird watching. And they've got the most amazing thing. It's called the Dune de Pilar, which is a huge, massive sand dune. It's Europe's biggest sand dune on this beach. And you can do boat trips and hike around Cap Foray. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And Sorday's recommended a hotel called Villa La Tosca, which is a boutique hotel with a natural pool, Eastern-inspired interiors wow. and then gardens. It's very, very nice, very well positioned for exploring that area. Where do you fly into for there then? You'd fly into Bordeaux. Take yeah. my little self to Bordeaux. Oh, it's lovely. And Bordeaux's really beautiful. But you could probably drive down and you could you know, do a lot of the seasidey places on the way down as well, actually. That would please sort of older kids, wouldn't yeah. it, and teens? Well, I um, hope listeners have liked our little bits of advice. We will put all of this uh, on the Facebook group and in the social media, so we'll put all the links there for you to have a look at these specific destinations um, and to look at the areas as well and the, the places that we mention. Uh, do subscribe um, to the podcast because we've got a lot more of these travel tips coming up and they will drop straight into your inbox um, and hope you found that helpful. Yes, you can also find all the details of the destinations we mentioned today and in the upcoming episodes on the Sawdays website where they've put together a special section to help you make the most of your midlife adventures. Go to sawdays.co.uk forward slash midlife travel. I like that, a midlife travel speciality. Very good.
Yeah, midlife travel. If you'd like to get in touch with Lorraine and I, there are plenty of ways that you can do it. Why not send us an email at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or direct message us at postcardsfrommidlife on Instagram. We always enjoy hearing from you, our lovely listeners, and we'll respond to as many of your queries as we can. And you can also join us on our private Facebook group, which is a forum for women to discuss the issues that affect us as we navigate this midlife. All you have to do to join is answer three of young Trisha's questions to gain access to the group, where you'll find information and friendly support to help you make the most of your second act. Well, as you said, Trish, Brighton is one long nostalgia noodle for you. And I thought I'd hand it over because we did have a little trip last night when we wandered around trying to find a very special place in your heart, didn't we? What what were we looking for? Little Indian restaurant? We were looking for the Akash Tandoori restaurant on Preston Street in Brighton. Because it's where Neil and I had our first date, our very first proper date together. How old were you? Well, I was 19 and he was 22. So, um, yes, quite, quite young, I would say. But it wasn't there, was it? Preston Street is like this road full of no. like Chinese restaurants, Thai restaurants, um, Indian restaurants. Never mind. What did Neil eat? Because an Indian is quite an unusual first day. Yes. Do you think? Probably back then it was a chicken korma. I think he had a chicken korma and I had to have, find something vegetarian, which was which was all very nice. But where was your first date with James? Oktoberfest Beer Festival in London. That could have gone quite wrong as well, couldn't it? Um, some friends of ours set us up on a blind date. Mm. And in the next event that we were all going together is the event that it would be least likely to find me or him. At not neither of us being really big beer fans, he doesn't drink beer. No, he's like wine, isn't he? Mm. No, he's not a he's not a beer drinker. He's an ale drinker. So um, yeah, but there was a Oktoberfest is something that happens in Europe. But it had they had a one in London, and uh, I was working on Today newspaper. And the rest is history. Love at first snog, I think. <laughs> yes, ah, beery snog, beery snog. So that brings us to the end of our media first groundbreaking hybrid <laughs> show. You know, the media world going to be a buzz, aren't we? Because we've just done this so differently. If anyone wants us to be the new Judith Chalmers on radio or TV, yes, I mean, we've clearly got what it takes, haven't we? Exactly. But thank you all for listening. Do remember to subscribe and download and please come and join in the fun in between shows on our Facebook group. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.